And one of the things I often talk about is every morning when we wake up, we have one of two shirts we can put on. You can put on the shirt, not obviously, a metaphor, obviously, that you're not wearing two shirts, but one shirt says, what can you do for me today? Yeah. The other shirt says, how can I serve you today? Mm. You put on the shirt that says, how can I serve you today? You're gonna have more things work out in your favor mm. because there's this universal law that seems to reward people who show up by way of service versus by way of greed. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please, sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's episode is really special because there's not many people that I would fly 3,000 miles across the country to interview. Uh, today's guest is one of them because today's guest is a pioneer in the fitness space, and my guest today has one of the most powerful stories you will ever hear. One of the greatest American business stories there is. This guy escaped communism as a kid, came to America, and went through every form of abuse as a child, had a treacherous, treacherous childhood, and really built himself up from the bottom. And you're going to hear all about his incredible, incredible story today, as well as so many other life lessons that he has learned that you all will be able to implement into your life um, as soon as you're done here in this episode. So my guest today is none other than Bedros Koulian, who is the founder and CEO of Fitbody Bootcamp, which has been listed three times on Entrepreneur Magazine's 500 fastest growing franchises in the world. He's also the author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Man Up, and known as the hidden genius behind many of the top businesses, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. His list of clients include New York Times bestselling authors, celebrities, NFL athletes, Navy SEALs, and massive social influencers who turn to him when they want to create highly profitable brands and businesses. And I'm so excited to bring you today's episode because there's so many nuggets within Bedros' story, his experience as an entrepreneur, as a business leader. I mean, he has failed so many times along the way. And the wisdom he gains from every single failure that he is able to not only help himself, but help other people is life-changing. And, you know, this episode, we're going to get real deep on his life experiences that can absolutely help so many of you right now, especially if you are going through a tough time and not sure about what the future holds. Um, Bedros is really going to make us realize that everything happens for a reason. He talks about the power of therapy and addressing trauma in your life to prevent it uh, from rotting you professionally and personally. We also talk about the power of mentorship and why it's important to have people around you that are kind of helping to guide you and you're leaning on um, when you need advice, you're looking to get a kick in the right direction. Uh, we also chat about why having a positive mental attitude is mandatory. It's not always easy, but mandatory, especially when we're going through times of adversity. Let's face it. Not every situation in our life is going to be positive, right? Having to you know, beat an addiction or lose a bunch of weight or rediscover yourself, whatever it is, might not be positive, but you have to have a positive attitude in a, in a way to go about it for you to be able to succeed, right? And, you know, Bedros also talks about the importance of purpose, right? Purpose is a big word that gets thrown around these days. And he explains why we actually develop purpose as we live our life. We don't necessarily go and find it. And then he also talks about uh, focusing on what's in front of us, like only really controlling what we can control, focusing on that. Because there's so many times in our life when we're going through uncertainty or adversity or stress, where we put 95% of our thoughts, our actions, and our behaviors on the things that we can't control. And as a result, it takes away from what we can control um, in front of us you're really going to get a lot of value out of this conversation with Bedros. So without further ado, let's welcome Bedros Koulian to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Bedros, man, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate you being here, man. Appreciate the opportunity for being on your show. 
Yeah, man. I mean, just studying you the last several weeks, there's so many parallels in our story. You know, this show is called The Adversity Advantage. I know for you, it's called The Immigrant Edge. But today, you are one of the greatest American business success stories there are. You know, you got over 600 Fit Body Boot Camps. You're the CEO, you're the founder. You're the man that so many people whose podcasts, people who are listening to this, are listening to influencers, entrepreneurs go to for business advice. Excuse but what's me. even more incredible than all of this is how you got here. It's like you're the ultimate capitalist today, but you came from communism. So give the listeners or people who are watching this a little bit of a backstory on how you grew up, what it was like to come from a communist country, escape from Armenia, and um, kind of where it led you and how you got into fitness. Yeah, man. First off, your listeners ought to know that you and I were just shooting the shit for about seven, eight minutes. And that took me down a long path of like, holy crap. Yeah, I could have been in jail had this one thing not happened. And it's so funny. It's, uh, well, it's not funny, but it's funny how life unfolds because there's whatever situation happened that led you to jail. I got lucky during a particular police helicopter chase and I didn't end up in jail because they weren't able to identify me, mm. just the guys that I was driving away from or with. Uh, I was the getaway driver. But, uh, I was in a deep thought as you were talking about that, because I'm like, my life could be very different. But then, what's really cool about the United States is it could have brought me right back to where I am. Mm. You know, kind of what you were talking about. You start surrounding yourself with different people. But anyway, so I, I, I'm a foreigner, man. I'm an immigrant to the United States. I come from a communist country, Armenia. At the time, it was under Soviet rule. And uh, imagine the Cold War that was happening between the US and the Soviet Union. And when you're from Armenia, you're part of the Soviet Union. My dad was a member of the communist country, but he was a capitalist. And he was uh, the most westernized communist on the planet, probably. I remember him wearing Levi's and Jordache jeans in Armenia. He had Ray-Ban glasses, sunglasses. He had like Adidas shoes. He listened to the Beach Boys and Elvis. And he would obviously get all that stuff from the black market because there's right, no right, right. way <laughs> any kind of American influence is coming into the Soviet Union legally. And he decided that he was going to save up money, and he bribed some uh, Soviet authorities, and we escaped. We escaped. We, we, he made it look like we were just taking a family vacation to Italy. And the reason it was Italy is Italy in the, in the 80s was a communist sympathizer, so it made sense that we would take a vacation to right. Italy. If we said, hey, we're taking a vacation to the United States, they'd be like, no way, you're not leaving. Mm. And uh, we escaped the Soviet Union into Italy. When we got to Italy, we went to the American Consult, and it took about 10 days for us to get all of our paperwork right and legally enter the United States. And the reason I say that piece is because my dad had to literally say, look, I'm a member of the Communist Party. I didn't want to be a member, but I had no choice. Whatever information you want about communism, I'll gladly share it with you guys. And we entered as political refugees. And so when we came to the United States, I was six years old. And I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine from the first memories you have around three or four years old to six years old, your parents are doing well financially in the country you're in, in my case, Soviet Union and Armenia, because my dad being a member of the Communist Party, he did really well. I would eat caviar and, wow. and had have hot tea and and in the morning with like, you know, fresh bread. And my dad did well for himself, but he didn't like and agree with the communist way of living. Mm. And so he's like, even though we're some of the people doing the best, we need to leave this joint. And so he did that. And all of a sudden we come here and I'm the six year old kid who's broke, doesn't speak English, doesn't understand the culture. There is no caviar. There's no fresh French bread and hot tea. We're living in Section 8 housing. I'm getting picked on and bullied by the neighborhood kids. We're eating out of dumpsters that we find in the back of grocery stores where they throw away food oh. that's kind of expired. Some of the food has gone bad, but you can kind of pick off the mold. And if you, people don't realize this, you can find a head of lettuce that's gone bad. And if you peel away enough leaves, there's a fresh head of lettuce somewhere in there. Could right, be a right. tiny little golf ball of the lettuce, but it's in there. And so that's kind of how we made do, man. My dad worked at a gas station pumping gas, uh, at a pizzeria wiping tables down and delivering newspapers at two in the morning. And man, it was bananas growing up because 
there was more adversity in my life then than I, uh, than I even knew what to do with. But as I look back now as a 46-year-old man and you know, CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp, an international franchise and software company, supplement company, and coaching programs, and I've coached Navy SEALs and Super Bowl winning NFL athletes and some of the top thought leaders that everyone's probably following have been my clients. I'm like, that adversity that I dealt with as a kid was literally the foundation of which how I built myself and how I coach my coaching clients. Most things can be solved if you have enough adversity tolerance mm. in your life. And that's literally the foundation of my coaching program. Yeah, it's so interesting, man, because I think so many people run away from adversity. I think so many people try to push it to the side and they say, mm -hmm. you know what? I'm gonna get rid of this as fast as possible. I'm gonna turn to drugs, I'm gonna turn to alcohol, sex, money, you know, victim mentality. And all that ends up doing is prolonging the problem, like kicking the ball even further down the street, right? Sure. And I think this golf ball size problem, which is the adversity, becomes this big bowling ball by the way we deal with it, right? And so I know part of your, you know, mentality, you know, growing up, or part of your mentality now was shaped by the kind of the way you grew up. You built up this adversity tolerance for all the crap you've had to deal with, including like starting Fit Body Bootcamp. So, you know, for those of you who don't know what Fit Body Bootcamp is, if you're not in the fitness industry or you haven't been following Bedros, it's it was the OG of group training. Before Orange Theory, before F45, like he was like the the pioneer in group training. He's a pioneer of also, if you've heard of mastermind groups and mentorships, people who have masterminds today came to Bedros to figure out how to start there. So just to give you guys some context on what this guy has started, he's made real money, he's had real success, there's no fake cars, there's no fake jets, it's, he's as real as they come, but it started with, with fitness, right? So take it, it, take it back to the days of, of starting Fit Body Bootcamp. Your story with starting it actually reminds me of that, did you ever read that book Shoe Dog about Phil Knight? Yes, Nike? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many similarities I feel like with you guys almost being sued for oh all that God. money and everything, but you yeah, take us back a little bit. Oh my God, dude, it's, it's, it, you know, I never saw the correlation until you just said it, and actually my son, who's 15 years old now is reading Shoe Dog and loves it. You know, I became a personal trainer because I was a fat kid going through elementary school, junior high, and high school. Senior year of high school, or that summer before senior year, I decided to work out and mm -hmm. get in shape because I wanted to go to prom with this girl named Nakaya. And I figured, well, if I'm in great shape, I've got a better chance of getting the yes when mm -hmm. I asked right, her. Right. Um, so I was like, holy crap, my life changed. I lost 30 pounds, senior year of high school, I've got more confidence, you know, Kids were starting to notice me. Even Nakaya was noticing me. I didn't have the confidence to ask her out, so I never made it to the prom with her. But the way my body changed, Doug, I was like, this is what I want to do for a living. I want to be a personal trainer. And I worked in a big box gym as a personal trainer, but I didn't know how to sell myself. Right. So unless you were like hell-bent on, I'm going to go to LA Fitness in La Habra and find a personal trainer and buy sessions from him. I wasn't about to sell you anything. Mm. Like, I was an order taker. Right, right. And you can't take enough orders to sustain a living. So I uh, worked as a personal trainer and I worked as a fry cook at Disneyland and I worked as a bouncer at a bar. But one day, one of my personal training clients was like, dude, you can do this on your own. Like you can have your own gym. You don't have to work in a big box gym. You can have your own personal training studio. And I'm like, cool, show me, teach me how. So long story short, he kind of started to mentor me. So that was my first exposure to mentors. This uh, guy was Jim, right? Jim Franco. Yeah, Jim Franco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was my first exposure to a mentor. And back then I didn't realize that. It's only in hindsight that you look back, you're like, this guy was mentoring me, holy yeah, yeah. cow. He saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, yeah. right? And that kind of resonated with the story of what, what you told me before the cameras went on where you're in jail and it's like, woe is me, I'm the victim, and your jail cell guy, partner, what do they call it? Cellmate. Yeah. Cellmate, yeah, 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 is like, hey man, you could either go keep pissing and moaning or you could like hit the deck and do some push-ups and take ownership of your life. Exactly. And you know, those 90 days were a pivotal, right. kind of a life transformation moment for you. And that, Jim was that guy. So whatever that guy saw in you, Jim saw something in me. And sometimes we need that, man. We need others to believe in us before we can believe in ourselves. And, and the right people will do that. I ended up starting Fit Body Bootcamp after a series of owning my own gyms, selling them, coaching and consulting the personal training industry. And then in 2008, when the housing market crashes, 
I'm like, man, no one wants to work with a personal trainer right now. Mm -hmm. Personal trainers are so expensive, you know, $600 to $1,200 a month to work one-on-one -on -one with the trainer. And all these personal trainers who are my coaching clients are like, dude, I'm losing clients left and right. I'm like, well, do you offer boot camps? They're like, yeah, I do, but it's wintertime right now where I live and I can't do outdoor boot camps. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, you know, I bet we can bring this outdoor boot camp, bring it indoors and do one-on-many. And if we can do one-on-many training instead of one-on-one, -on -one, we can now make personal training more affordable and more convenient. And those are the two things Mrs. Jones is looking for, affordability and convenience. And so I wasn't 100% sure yet, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna test it on my own before I make this thing a franchise and whatever. But the economy crashed, 11.5% unemployment rate, no one is starting new businesses, and this knucklehead in 2010 is like, I'm starting a fitness franchise. <laughs> and I did, and by 2012 I was franchised, and. We we're still in the depths of the economic, you know, crisis. And 2013, you know, the country started to kind of come out of it. But dude, the learning curves were massive. Doug, the learning curves were massive because there is no school for franchising. There is no mentor to hire who is a franchise expert. Today there are. Back right. then there wasn't. And so I realized very quickly that you have to learn just by falling and getting back up. And that's what I did and went through a series of potential lawsuits. I had one employee who literally cost me $640,000, got me into $640,000 debt because of a string of bad decisions on my part, not hers. It was my fault for keeping her that long, for not listening to my gut. How often do we, our gut tells us something and we're like, shut up. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then we don't listen to it. And then we, like, seven months later, we're like, gosh, yeah. why didn't I listen to our right. gut? You know? Right. Yeah, trust me. I and instead, we deal with the anxiety that it promotes, right? Exactly. So I remember being so anxious, like, okay, this, I know, I think this thing is happening. I don't want to address it because it's going to create conflict. Uh, so I'm going to ignore it. And in the process of ignoring it, you're anxious, you're on edge, you can't yeah. sleep at night. So I'm like, what helped me sleep? Oh, yeah, when I tore my bicep. I got Vicodin and uh, I still have some left. So I started taking Vicodin and taking NyQuil to fall asleep. And you start making a string of bad decisions mm. to cope with things that you should be addressing. But man, we started Fit Body Bootcamp and it was a rocky, shitty start. And by 2013, 14, we thought we were about to end it all as far as let the company crash. And by 2015, because I read a book in 2014 that Howard Stern recommended, a book about Navy SEALs and their exploits during the Black Hawk Down era in Africa, Mogadishu, it completely changed my perspective. I learned leadership for the first time. I thought leadership was, it says CEO on the corporate paperwork, therefore right, I'm the right, leader. Right. That just meant I'm responsible for everything. Yeah. Leadership is a very different thing. It's, it's not just managing people, it's leading them to an outcome. And I had a long list of leadership lessons to learn, and I spent the next two years, 2014, 2015, uh, reading and, and applying leadership into my business, and literally, over the next three years, everything changed, and we just had this hockey stick era, and there we are. Yeah, man, and, and I remember you talking about that guy, you know, Jim Franco, who was kind of like that unsung hero in your life. I think sometimes, you know, I know you've had the fortune of having so many, you know, well-known people either you've coached or have coached you through the years. I can say the same for myself as well. But for me, my cellmate, and for you, it seems like this guy, Jim, was the guy that was the catalyst for getting everything yeah. started. And then looking back and believing in the power of mentorship and the believing of having in the power and believing to have, you know, somebody there alongside of you and you didn't believe in yourself. And then you lead, you know, that leads into you starting Fit Body Boot Camp. You grow it, you kind of franchise it, and you're, you think you're you know, living high, right? But I think one of the things that happened to me in my story is I got out of jail, I was clean from drugs, about five years in, I'm making great money as a trainer, I'm ripped, I had written my first book, I thought I had my life all together, but there was something missing in my life. I was spiritually still broken. I had so much shame about my past. There was still trauma I had dealt with my childhood. I was still mad at, at the world be for the abuse. I was still mad at the world for being bullied. I still didn't understand like the effect of all the abuse I went through had on me as an adult. And I got to this point where I literally like, came to my knees. And for me, I ended up becoming a Christian as a result of that and believing in something greater than me because I needed a sense of purpose and meaning, like I believed it, until that moment, it was like 2014, 2015, that life was just about Doug Bobst. And then I did everything for me. You know, I, it was all about me and my body, my business, me, 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 and look at me and how good I am with my transformation. And it brought me to my knees. And I know for you, you hit a similar path, right, in your life where, funny thing is, 
you'll, you'll appreciate this. I was like, at this point, so overworked as a trainer. I was trying to compete in a physique competition. I'm burning out. I started getting crazy anxiety attacks, right? Mm -hmm. I'm on the rower um, with a buddy of mine down at the gym and my heart rate gets to like 200. I'm wearing one of those um, Under Armour, they come out with these um, heart rate monitors like yeah. back in the day. Yeah. And I start freaking out, I get all loopy and I thought I was dying. And I was like, what the heck? I'm as fit as can be. I hadn't had a panic attack since I was on drugs. I was like, what's going on? End up going to my doctor, like after a few days of saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I was like, I literally think there's something wrong with my heart. So he's like, you're fine, you're a trainer, you're like 25, 26 years old, wherever I was at the time, there's nothing wrong with your heart. And so he's like, fine, go see this cardiologist, right? So he sends me into a, to go see a cardiologist, gives me the referral. He looks at me and he's like, where's your like grandfather? Like, where's your grandmother? Like, who are you here with? And I'm like, myself. He's like, what do you do for a living? For a living? And I'm like, I'm a trainer. He's like, what are you doing here? And I ran on that stress test treadmill for 20 minutes. He's like, I've never seen anybody run this fast. And I remember him like putting me down, doing the recovery test and saying, dude, your heart's fine, you just have anxiety. And from that moment, I made some massive changes. I cut back on the hours I worked. I started going back to therapy. I started unpacking a lot of the stuff too, and then getting like really spiritual. And for you, you hit a very similar moment too, right? And people, people, see, you, people see you now, right? And they might not know this part about you because I know you don't talk about it as much as the business and the entrepreneurship. So, so what happened? We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, I wanted to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC featuring Golden Superfood Bliss, a product from her Earth Echo Foods line. Imagine drinking a rich and creamy elixir loaded with goodness and sweet enough to satisfy any sweet tooth. This blend is focused around turmeric, a potent spice that's perfect for supporting a healthy inflammatory response, helping you shed stubborn pounds, improving digestion, and supporting your mental health. Then it's blended with black pepper, coconut milk, MCT oil, amla fruit, cinnamon bark, ginger root, ashwagandha, and a unique blend of mushrooms including reishi, shiitake, mataki, and lion's mane. Ever try golden milk? It pales in comparison to this. It's truly indulgent. Golden Superfood Bliss will help to elevate your well-being and prepare you to take on the world and live your best life. Not only that, it is friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, they have been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobst. Again, it's earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobst to learn more about the amazing benefits of Golden Superfood Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Well, for me, um, I, I think it was right around that time when I realized I was a failure as a leader, number one. I wasn't having conversations I should be having. And one day, I went up into my guest house to grab a pair of shoes that I had left up there the night before. And as I bent down to pick my shoes up, dude, I don't know what else to describe it as other than my instincts were like, dude, you're having a heart attack. Now, right. I was 37 years old then. And so one part of my brain is like, all right, man, you work in the fitness industry. Mm -hmm. You know enough about the human body where it's unlikely it's a heart attack. But at the same time, I'm having tunnel vision. My heart's racing. Right. Uh, my arm, both of my arms are tingling. And, it, and if you remember, they talk about like when someone's having a heart attack, I forget if it's the left or the right arm yeah, yeah. hurts. Yeah. I'm like, shit, both of them hurt. <laughs> you know, this must be the big one, yeah. right? <laughs> and, so, and so for me, I'm like, this is it. This is how yeah, I yeah. go. And I'm sweating, and I can hear the thug lug in my ear of my, just my heart just beating. I'm like, what the hell? And in that moment, all I could think about was, who's going to walk Chloe down the aisle, my daughter? when she's older and gets married, who's gonna teach my son Andrew to be a modern day knight? And I made a promise to my wife that I would protect her, who's gonna be there to protect her. And so I was just disappointed in myself. I'm like, if this is, if I'm dying right now, I, I've let the three people in my life that matter the most down. Right. And so as I stepped out of my guest house, my goal was just, let me see, get some fresh air, let me see if my body changes. And sure, I don't know if it was the fresh air, the movement, something started to calm down enough where I was like able to gather myself. I'm like, all right, I either just dodged a bullet, a heart attack bullet, or there's something else going on. And the next day I was in the doctor's office, very similar to your story. And like, dude, you are fit as a fiddle. Mm. Your problem is you're stressed. And before I could say, no, I'm not, my wife's like, yes, he is, <laughs> right? Some part of you wants to say, no, I'm not, I'm fine. I could keep plowing through. Mm. And the, the reality is you can't. 
Right. Because at that point, again, I was on the Vicodin, I was on the NyQuil to fall asleep, and in the mornings I drink coffee and pre-workout and take Adderall to kind of get focused and energized again. And so I was using a mixture of all types of cocktails to regulate my energy. And anytime you're doing that and you're having you're not having the conversations that you should and the dialogue that you should and not taking the action that you should, it all, it all kind of, use the word unpacking. Yeah. Imagine taking a bag, a plastic bag, and just stuffing it with shit. At some point, it's gonna burst. You better unpack that thing mm. and bring it down to normal. And we don't unpack things, we keep it all inside, and we suffer in silence, and that's exactly what I did, and boom, it hit me with a massive panic attack. Mm. And it wasn't until I worked with a, a therapist, Kevin Downing, out here in Brea, for 16 months, uh, once a week for 16 months, every Monday. Yeah. And I went in there to talk to him about my panic attack. Mm. Like, dude, the doctor gave me Xanax and I'm drooling at the side of my mouth and I just feel slow, I can't process. I can't take Xanax and run a business. And so I told my doctor, Xanax isn't gonna work for me, man. I need to be sharp. He goes, well, you're gonna have to go talk to a therapist. So reluctantly, I found this therapist and. Uh, I'm explaining the whole thing to him. He's like, oh, great, you know, in three, four weeks, I'll give you some tools and you'll be fine. You know, I'm like, cool. That fucking thing lasted 16 months, that experience <laughs> with him, because in three, four weeks, he's right. He did help me overcome my anxieties. He taught me several things. Halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt. Um, I always tell people now, are you halting? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Are you hungry, angry, lonely, tired? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm lonely. Okay, that's, that's probably why you're anxious or you're angry or depressed or you're, you're feeling like you want to hit the bottle. The alcoholic will go back to alcohol when they're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. The drug addict will go back to drugs when they're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I will go back to eating excessive amounts of calories because food gives me comfort. Right. And then I start feeling bad about it, and then I start beating myself up. And so whatever your vice is, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you're gonna go deep into that vice. Pornography, infidelity, whatever. And so he taught me that. He taught me that anxiety is anticipation of future pain. So if you're anxious, deal with the stuff that you ought to deal with instead of kicking that can down the road, as we talked about yeah. earlier. When you do, that just golf ball becomes a bowling ball, right? The $340,000 debt that that team member employee put me in probably could have been stopped at a $50,000 debt had I addressed it early on. But I didn't want to cause waves and I was a people pleaser and I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings and I was afraid that if I lose her, I can't replace her. And that comes from a lack of self-worth and self-value. So I don't feel like who's gonna work, wanna work with me and for me, right? So there's a lot of things to unpack, speaking of unpack, but right. all this to tell you that, you know, what I thought was gonna be a three or four week thing ended up being a much longer process while he taught me halt, he taught me anxiety is anticipation of future pain. He also taught me that action alleviates anxiety is induce something about your shit and you won't have that anxiety. It, it, it like on the fourth session as I'm leaving, he goes, so Bedros, is there anything else we need to talk about before you kind of leave here for your last session? I'm like, Kevin, I'm good, man. Like you, you helped <laughs> me, I'm a fixed man, yeah, yeah. you know? You gave me all the tools I need and so, as I'm, I'm literally standing in the threshold of his door, of his office door, he goes, well, you know, wh what about things with your family, right, with your parents? I'm like, oh, you know, everything was fine <laughs> with my parents. You know, I, I come from communist parents, and so they slapped me around a little bit. He's like, whoa, 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 yeah. Right, yeah, and, and that, that was, he's like, that's not normal. Anything else that happened? I was like, well, some other shit happened, and, you know, and that's when all the real trauma conversations yeah. started to come up, and uh, that's where the most of the 16 months uh, with Kevin took place, and I realized how much shame, rage, confusion I was carrying, and it bled into my relationship, it bled into my work, it bled into my business, my friendships, my health, mm. self-worth. Yeah. And that time with Kevin Downing, 16 months, was probably the most healing period of my life. Yeah, and you talk about now leadership, and you as, right now are the epitome of a great leader, right, based on the way you treat your employees. I mean, just even walking in here and how I'm treated, I can just tell that, that you lead well. And it's funny now, I never, it's, it's actually surprised me that now it's like you encourage people to go, or have encouraged, encourage people to see Kevin on their own, right? Yeah. You've even helped people that want to get started in it, all because you made a transformation within yourself and decided to be like, you know what, like, I'm being a shitty leader right now, I'm being a shitty person, I need to look myself in the mirror, man up, and, and by the way, like, man up, doesn't, you don't have to be a man to man up, it's just like human up, like, human up. take control of your life, 
quit being a victim. Know that, you know, the moment you relinquish control to your family, your friends, the government, somebody else, like you lose because you're waiting for somebody else to change your life rather than actually putting one foot in front of the other and doing what's necessary to change your own. And, but the fascinating thing is you made this massive transformation with your leadership skills and it all started with like healing the trauma. So like what were some of the stuff you changed in your own life to kind of help you unpack that so that maybe somebody, cause right now we're in this pandemic, you know, suicides up, alcoholism's up, addictions up, and people are struggling with their mental health. So what were some of the things that you did looking back they were like, you know what, like these, you know, two or three things were things that really shifted my mental health. So, you know, for me, structure. I was a person that didn't have much structure. Mm. And because I'm OCD, because I'm ADD, I have work ethic. Yeah. And I was able to build a business off just sheer grit and work ethic. Mm. But you can white knuckle it for so long. I don't know if you've ever done jujitsu. I have it, but I was interviewed, I was talking to, you know, Ryan, Ryan Mickler. Yes. So I was speaking with him yesterday, and he was telling me how much jujitsu has helped him as well. So I, I was like, man, I got to try it. Dude, it is one of the, and everyone will tell you, it's, it's a humbling sport. It's a humbling right. sport. And, and you only realize it when you first start out. And uh, my coach, his name is Peter Sutton, we, we, we trained three times. At the time when I was going through my six-week challenge with him, it was three times a week. I weigh 230 pounds, and I'm six feet tall. He's 5'11" and about 170. For all intents and purposes, I should be able to muscle him off of mm. me. The guy was just so good at using leverage and my own weight that I would have, if you, you could only muscle for so long and you're just exhausted and right, then right, he right. just gets you in an arm bar and you tap out, Yeah. right? And so white knuckling through, or using just grit and work ethic through anything is only gonna take you so far. Structure, discipline, productivity, morning routine. Mm. I lacked all of that. Wow. I would hit the snooze button. I would hit the snooze button. I would hit the snooze button. Finally, at 7 a.m., I've hit the snooze button a half a dozen times. And by this point, I'm behind on a few things. So I'm like, well, I planned on eating healthy, but now I'm just going to have this protein bar, which, look, folks, a protein bar is better than a Snickers bar, but it's not that much better than a Snickers. <laughs> right, it's right, a fucking right. Snickers bar with a little bit of protein in it. And so really when you think about it, now I've broken a promise to myself. I told myself that I'd wake up at five in the morning. Now it's seven in the morning that I'm waking up. I told myself that I would eat a healthy breakfast and I didn't. Instead, I'm sucking down extra coffee and, and a protein bar. And my workout was gonna be 90 minutes long and have mobility and flexibility in it. And now it's like barely 40 minutes long because I, I, have, I gotta get to the HQ. And so a string of promise breakings to yourself leads to losing confidence and credibility with yourself. Mm. The moment you lose confidence and credibility with yourself, it's over. So some of the things that I learned, not only through Kevin, but also from my dear friend and business partner, Craig Ballantyne, is that morning routine, the non-negotiables, what things mm. to add to my plate, what you know, behaviors, habits, routines, beliefs, what things to take off your plate. And once I did that, it was crazy how I had more time to myself, was more productive, didn't have to work till 1 a.m. Mm. Like, how easy is it to just commit to yourself, I'm gonna watch one episode with my wife of whatever it is we're watching and not six episodes, right? Right. I mean, when you look at Netflix and Amazon, they are designed to get you to binge watch. As yeah. soon as one episode ends, the other one starts in three, two, one, and you see yeah, yeah, it, yeah. right? And so if, you don't, if you're not disciplined to hit that goddamn button, it will suck you in for another 42 minutes mm. and then another 42 minutes. And then somewhere you're going to have to pay the piper somewhere, yeah. either through quality of work or through time. And so that's what I was doing. But really, discipline, structure, routine were the three things that were missing out of my life. And, and look, it's not an overnight. Like if someone's like, hey, how do I install all of that by tomorrow? You don't. Like do one thing. Just wake up 30 minutes earlier and, you know, just drink 30 ounces of water when you wake up. And if you could do that for the next two weeks, add one more thing, yeah. right? It might be whatever, doing a, doing a brain dump the night before. Before you go to bed, do a brain dump on the things you need to work on in the mornings. I do that all the time so that things aren't swirling around in my head keeping me awake. Mm. I've got a list. I call it my GSD list, my get shit done list. Yep. I have that. I wake up. I don't hit the snooze button. I drink my 30 ounces of water. I go through my little morning shower and... 
and, and comb my hair and brush my teeth, and I'm downstairs going through my GSD list. Yeah. It makes sense. I'm not you know, going through my social media and checking in on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and then email, and then what happens? We get stuck in that loop. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, email, and you can kill 40 minutes just going through that loop. Yeah. And, and I'm not Mark Zuckerberg. I'm not getting paid for, <laughs> yeah. for doing that. So why am I doing it? Because I don't have a structure, and in the lack of structure, we begin to kind of um, go by the seat of our pants. Mm. And that's where we get sucked into you know, shitty behavior. Yeah, it's funny, man. I heard you know you were talking, I think to, it was a Genius Network, maybe it was a few years ago, and you brought up the point that you have all these entrepreneurs, all these people that are looking to scale their business, grow their business, learn how to market this, get something from you on like business. And I remember you saying, like, you were like, how many of you have experienced abuse or trauma or something? So you posed a question like mm -hmm. that to the audience, and you said, well, I don't remember the exact number, one in four, one in five, whatever it was. And I think it's so important to bring that up because without you doing the work on yourself, you wouldn't be the leader you are today without the doing the work on your, yourself and taking care of your health, taking care of your relationship with your wife, doing the necessary things for you to make that structure, to do the morning routine, the evening routine, bookending your days so you're having like your energy on point. You wouldn't be able to make the decisions that you are forced to make sometimes in today's world. And one of the things I notice is that you're the king of being decisive. Just move, move. It's funny, you know, your camera guy and I, before we're talking about like, man, like I've never seen anyone move like Bedros. Like when shit hits the fan, you're like, okay, what's next? What am I gonna do about it? Decision. What kind of pivots did you make during the pandemic? When you look at someone who's got a big business, if you've got a big franchise and a big franchise headquarters and oh, I need all these people upstairs to help my franchisees. Yeah. That's all great when the money's flowing in. <laughs> When the money stops, because some governors say, all the governors say we're shutting down gyms, yeah. and now gyms aren't, you know, your franchise gyms aren't making money, and they don't want to pay your franchise royalty fees, and all of a sudden, but you still have payroll to pay, you still yeah. have mortgage to pay on this building, you still have liability insurance to pay, you have taxes to pay, uh, health insurance, 401ks, all this stuff, all of a sudden you start hemorrhaging mm. when money's still going out but not coming in. Yeah. The businesses are like, oh, hey, we're cool, are not the big businesses that were making all that money. Because when you're making a lot of money, you also have a lot of expenses. The goal is to make more money than the expenses. Right. But it's typically a thin sliver for a lot of businesses is to open up that gap is what we try and do. It's the small business that only have like two employees and they're you know very thin and scrappy. And they're like, oh, okay, the COVID came? All right, hey, uh, are you okay with living with 50% less money? Yeah, so am I, great. We're just gonna suck it up, buttercup, and move in with our parents. And yeah. so a startup is not gonna suffer as much as an established business, yeah. right? And that's what we saw is a lot of big established businesses. Hertz, 24-hour fitness, uh, soup plantation, like you name the industry from food to hotel to, to fitness, automotive, like, dude, they were just folding left. Disneyland yesterday announced 28 thousand employees just got laid off yesterday the bigger you are the faster you have to pivot because the hemorrhage continues of money while the decline of money happens very quickly so i was like all right i come from a communist world where you don't trust anybody in leadership so our leadership says, yeah <laughs> that, that's it right our leadership says in two weeks we'll be back in business by easter right <laughs> yeah by easter yeah by easter we'll be back in business and look man uh, I don't care if you believe in Trump or Biden, that this is not the issue here. The, the issue is whoever the leadership is, they mean well, and leadership's job for the most part in politics is to sell hope. Yeah, They're not always accurate. Their job is to sell hope. And so we'll be back in business in, in two weeks. So all the people that took the, well, I'll just wait. I can, I, I can survive for two weeks. Hell, I can survive for four weeks. I'm good. And everyone that took the wait and see approach is dying or dead right now. I was like, uh, great, I'm gonna do the Ronald Reagan thing. I'm gonna trust, but verify. I'm gonna trust that they're gonna, we're gonna reopen in two weeks, maybe four weeks, but I'm gonna verify my survival by pivoting in two days to online coaching, and we went to Zoom training, Facebook private groups for all the locations. Hey, put your clients in a Facebook group, interact. Remember, your clients still need results. If the immune system is weak, you're gonna get the COVID faster, so our pitch changed to our clients. We launched a 28-day uh, Stronger Together Challenge, which was 28 days for 28 bucks of online coaching, and we started to gain more clients online. Now, profits went down for, for all of our locations because now we're selling 28 days for 28 bucks instead of yeah. 149 a month for a Fit Body Bootcamp membership. But the beautiful thing was I was able to keep my franchisees busy. I was able to keep them 
active with positivity versus like hand-wringing, like what do we do? And so that pivot took 48 hours for us to do only because I was in a sheer state of panic because coming from a country where you can't trust the government, I just assumed it was gonna be a longer lasting pandemic and I happened to be right. Yeah, and I think there's so much to be said by keeping the people busy because I think when people stop working and doing what they love, right? Because most people get into training because of passion to help other mm -hmm. people change lives, right? So when they stop doing that, right, they almost lose a sense of themselves and become dead inside. I remember the days when I first started training and I would train 10 hour days. The days where like I would have a bunch of cancels, I'd be like a little bit more depressed because I yeah. felt like that was part of my identity yeah. was to help people, right? And I think the other thing too that's very, you know, worth hitting home on again is that you take a situation, you're like, all right, well, what am I gonna do about it? I can sit here with my thumb up my butt and wait for the government to make a decision, wait for a, a paycheck from the government, you know, wait for COVID to pass, whatever it is. What can I control right now, right? What can That's I do an important right thing, now? Can I continue to take care of myself? You know, can I, how can I train people? Can I train them online? How can I start a coaching program? For me, it was, well, I made one of the biggest investments in my business as COVID starting. And uh, I remember just being like, gosh, what timing? But I was like, maybe this happened for me and not to me to pivot more into online. I went ham on my podcast and really putting a lot of work into that because like, all right, I can train my clients online. And then with the other time that I have, I can control my podcast. The government can't shut down my podcast. I'm gonna leverage my relationship capital and really like create momentum in my own podcast. Landed a, ended up landing my first sponsor in the first few months. You know, landed some big guests on my show that inspired me and I started to see momentum with that. And that kept me inspired, right? Because if I hadn't had that to fall back on, like who knows what would have happened. I think that's what it's all about is not only having some sense of meaning and purpose in your life when things don't go your way to keep you motivated, but having a community of people, which I know you were incredibly passionate about too, is like surrounding yourself with like fighter jets and not crop dusters, right? So for me, it's like, I always see that as you got to surround yourself with people that challenge, love, and support you unconditionally to be the best version of yourself. So I think a lot of people that are struggling right now are the crop dusters, are the ones that are yep. saying, woe is me, they're pessimistic, they're blaming this person, blaming that person, they're saying, you know what, I'll just take a vacation and wait for somebody to do something for me, and then when I see people, other people have success, I'm going to hate on them. Right? But the fighter pilots are the ones that just keep going no matter what. No matter how many times they, they lose in business, no matter how many times they lose in life, they get back up. So talk a bit about that mentality for you and how it's relevant to like every single human being right now. You, you know, before we physically die, we tend to mentally die first. Yeah. And, and a great example of that, I was reading some books on uh, just historical wars. And when I was reading ones about Vietnam War, uh, these these pilots that were shot down, American pilots that were shot down and held as prisoners of war in Vietnam by North Vietnam, you know, they were, they were literally put in huts with, with like cages around them or sometimes in big holes yeah. that were dug deep and, you know, with just a, a roof that they couldn't get out of. Um, the ones who were under the impression that, hey, by the time Christmas comes, I'll be rescued. By the time summer comes, I'll be rescued. By the time my birthday comes, I'll be rescued. Christmas came, summer came, their birthday came, and they weren't rescued. Mm -hmm. They lose hope. Yeah. They die up here first, and then they started to wither away and die. Mm -hmm. They gave up. Yeah. The ones who decided that, all right, the Hanhoi Hilton is now my home. Yeah. And uh, they started to, one, one guy pulled the button off his shirt, and at night, he would just flick the button and then search for it and find it. Okay, that's one. Flick the button, search for it and find it. That's two. And he created a routine. Mm. He kept his mind working mathematically, yeah. busy. Kept his body working physically, push-ups, burpees, yeah. whatever it is that he can do in that small little five-by-five five space that he had. And in that way, just said, this is home for me. I'm going to make the best of it. And they're the ones that survived. And once they were freed, they thrived in life. Wow. You know, the, the, the former, I think he died, but the former governor of Arizona, I forget his name now. John McCain? John McCain, thank you. Great example, like that guy was a POW, and you know, the, the guy comes out and just becomes like this amazing right. dude, right? Right. So, so I share this with you because you, you have to stay in a place of positivity, number one, a positive mental attitude is mandatory. I didn't know if the 28 day Stronger Together Challenge was gonna work, Doug. Mm. What I did know is if I keep my franchisees and their coaches focused on a new online coaching program we're launching, 
that's a positive thing. Yeah. Versus I could either keep them focused on that or I can keep them focused on how we hate the government and <laughs> how dare they do this to us and is this COVID really from China or is it a Russian attack or who gives a shit? I don't know where it's from, <laughs> what it's doing, how long it's gonna last. Let's focus on what we can focus on and only go down that path and that's what we did. Thankfully, the 28-day transformation challenge worked uh, but even if it didn't, I was just gonna create another one and another one and keep them positively busy mm. instead of focusing on negativity. And, and that's a very important piece because the moment we die mentally, we die physically. So crop dusters tend to blame others. The cup is always half empty, not half full. They're fixed minded and they wanna kind of take that role of the victim. And then you look at fighter jets. Uh, these are people that are problem solvers. They're cup is always half full, not half empty. They are open-minded or growth-minded, and they're really looking to serve. They come from a place of service versus what's in it for me. And one of the things I often talk about is every morning when we wake up, we have one of two shirts we can put on. You can put on the shirt, not obviously, a metaphor, obviously, that you're not wearing two shirts, but one shirt says, what can you do for me today? Yeah. The other shirt says, how can I serve you today? Mm. You put on the shirt that says, how can I serve you today? You're gonna have more things work out in your favor mm. because there's this universal law that seems to reward people who show up by way of service versus by way of greed. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's kind of all come back full circle for you because I know you all do a lot for kids, for mm -hmm. underprivileged kids around Christmas time to get them toys and have raised tons and tons of money for that. and. You know, I think purpose is, is one of those things that comes in time. Like I see so much in your story like I do in mine that like you don't just find your purpose. You have to kind of develop it like you say in your book. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other things I wanted to allude to is you talk about your change in perspective and knowing that if you focus on the other, you know where that gets you, right? Like, you know, if you focus on the negative, you're going to go down this rabbit hole of negativity. I remember Tom interviewing when he inter was interviewing me on, um, on Impact Theory. He's like, how did you change your mindset and transform when you got out of jail to saying you were never gonna use drugs again. He's like, how'd you do it? And I remember just like thinking, I was like, honestly, like the only thing I had to do is it was blind faith. Like I, you know, I believed in myself just a little bit. I really had no grounds to actually really believe in myself because I'd failed up until that point. I had 21 jobs by the time I was 20 years old. I had been a drug addict, you know, most of my life. Mm. I had, you know, lied and cheated the system and all these things. I had no reason to really believe in myself, but I knew if I could just focus every single day on working out, on eating healthy, on making sure I stopped hanging around certain people, on being a good human being and being of service to others. It gave me a chance, no guarantee, but it gave me a chance. Versus if I had said, you know what, like I'm not gonna make it, I probably would've gone back and done drugs again, I would've gone job to job, mm. and I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you and I would've failed, right? So. Choices. Yeah, it's all about choices. And I think we are all faced with choices every single day, and I think no matter what side of this defense you you stand on politically no matter what your values are we're all human beings and i think at the end of the day it's, we all have to have personal accountability for how we treat ourselves how we treat other people what, what kind of thing we're doing to give back in the world and i know one of the things that you talk a lot about is is purpose i want to go back to that and so many people like think they're going to read a book and be like i'm going to find my purpose in a book or they mm -hmm. think that they're going to go to some seminar and they're going to find their purpose but i believe and you believe that purpose comes from experience so talk a bit about that that's a really good point. Purpose does come from experience. And, and to the previous point before that, look, you, you, you can get motivated at, a, at, a, at an event temporarily. You can get inspired at an event or from a book right. temporarily. But you're not going to find your purpose. You're not going to go like, oh, man, I, I'm going to be the next Tony Robbins. I know that's what I'm meant to do. It's sexy, so it looks <laughs> like that. But do you know how many people Tony Robbins has impacted, number one? Do you know, uh, in fact, uh, I forgot, oh, I'm Not Your Guru, his documentary. Yeah, Have yeah, you seen that? Yeah, on Netflix, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think they talked about in that documentary that something like at an average Tony Robbins event, there's typically about seven people who are there as a last-ditch attempt before they commit suicide. Wow. And one of the first things he says at his big live events are, hey, who's here kind of thinking like they're going to commit suicide if this four days doesn't work out for you in your favor and doesn't change your path and hands will go up. Now, do you think that he's able to take those, and those are just the seven people who admitted that they were there as a last ditch attempt, right? Yeah. How many more are there? Right. <clears throat> and so what happens when someone goes to a Tony Robbins event and they raise their hand or they don't and Tony talks to them 
And while he's helped many of them change their mind, the reality is some people have still gone home and committed suicide. Right. The weight that Tony has to carry, well, it's not his fault, but the weight that he has to carry. Like when someone sees the best of Tony Robbins, understand that there's weight that he's carrying, mm. that maybe your shoulders are not meant to carry that weight. Yeah. Like he's willing to carry that weight. I'm willing to carry a certain amount of weight. Like I run this thing called the project and the weight of the project, the things that men tell me in the project and secrecy that I will take to my grave, never put in a book, I will have to carry that weight. So while everyone wants to run a men's event that's really cool in 75 hours and a Navy SEALs instructing and a Marine and blah, 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 understand the shit that I have to hear Mm. and air traffic control will keep me awake for weeks at a time after a typical project class. And so, but I know that's part of my purpose, so I'm going to your, yeah. your point, is where purpose is concerned. At some point, you're going to realize that I'm either a person that's meant to serve, I'm a person that's meant to create a product, a thing, you'll kind of figure it out. Maybe you're meant to go towards restaurant. Maybe you, you, you're like, hey, look, I, I worked as a busboy, and then I worked as a, in a coffee shop serving coffee, and then I worked at a fine dining restaurant as a server. Well, the fact that three of your 10 jobs were restaurant-based might be a clue that you're starting to fall in line with your purpose. Mm. Can you start digging? Maybe you're supposed to be a restaurant owner, where I'm supposed to be a stage speaker. No one is right. Someone once told me, this guy, he goes, because uh, he, he went to Biola, same school my wife did, Bible Institute of Los Angeles. That's what Biola stands for. And he goes, you know, I was going to be, a, I was gonna be a, a preacher. I was like, wow. I'm like, man, that's the highest calling, like, to spread the word of God. You were going to be a preacher? You went to Biola? You were going to be a preacher? That is the highest calling. He goes, uh, but I'm in the financial industry. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean? You've got a degree in Bible studies and, and theology, and you were going to be a preacher, but now you're in the financial industry? He goes, yep. He goes, do you know what your, the highest calling is? I go, explain. He goes, wherever your purpose lies. He goes, I found that I'm supposed to make families whole financially. Mm. And if I can do that, number one reason for divorce is what? Financial, right. right? Holy crap. He realized as he's going through theology school that my highest calling is to because he came from a broken family right. that broke up because of money. Right. And so he realized my purpose is to save other families, not through here, but through there. Yeah. So most people just need to do the research on, like for me, I realized, okay, I, the physical change was great senior year of high school, but forget the physical change. I started making eye contact with people. I started yeah. opening up and talking. Mm. And I'm like, man, I would love to help men, women, children, Anyone who is insecure, lacks confident, be able to express themselves and make eye contact and feel secure and confident again. Fitness has got to be my path. Now, I thought I was just going to be a one-on-one -on -one personal trainer, but I had no idea that as a one-on-one -on -one personal trainer, just by changing their body like yours did, some confidence begins to get built. And as you build your confidence, your standards of expectations for yourself go up. And the standards of expectations go up. You don't let other people treat you like shit. And then all of a sudden, you begin to how you do anything is how you do everything, right? Yeah. So you begin to all of a sudden care about, maybe I can make more money. If I can change my uh, physical state, I can change my financial state. Well, if I can change that, I can create, change my mental vibration to a higher state of vibration. And I realized that my purpose wasn't just fitness, it was also changing their headspace and changing their belief system. And so this is the path I took. By opening up a franchise, people think they're signing up for a fitness program, and we go, surprise, fitness is just one of the three elements. It's fitness, nutrition, and mindset. Welcome to the Fit Body Bootcamp Global Group. It's a giant Facebook private group that we have where I'm constantly teaching mindset in there yeah. because that's the big, like, like the, the hinge that swings the biggest doors. You develop your purpose over time. Not enough people give it the time. Mm. They keep shifting to one thing. Well, you know, Tony Robbins, I was at a Tony Robbins. I think I'm supposed to be a Tony Robbins. Oh, shit. Doug does podcasts, and he, like, he was like, all oh, Doug, you're a beast at podcasts, bro. You've been in front of more people in such a short amount of time that are notable. Guess what? I can tell this is your path. You're a great interviewer. You really, you, you, you don't just hear. You listen, right? You are persistent in, in connecting with me and others. Those three things must happen for you to be good at podcasting. And you probably followed up with people and said, hey, you want to be a sponsor? You want to be a sponsor? And finally someone said yes. Yeah. 
So you've got the persistence factor. So while they see on the surface that you know Doug is on impact theory and this and that and Jay Farouza's show and you're here and then, they don't see how many no's you get. They don't see how the persistence that it takes. They don't see that you flew across the country to come out here yeah. during the COVID time, right, when most people wouldn't. Because as soon as I tell them, hey, I don't do Zoom podcasts, I only do in person, 95% go away. You're like, okay, so when can I come? Yeah. <laughs> right? So, and that, by the way, I get, so, I get asked so many times how I've been able to make a lot of things happen. Like, I do whatever it takes because I know that this is like my calling and I want to be able, I'm feeling it. called to serve at a greater purpose. And I remember for me, when I was incarcerated and I started working out, it wasn't like I was sitting there in that moment, I'm gonna be a trainer, I'm gonna be a trainer. I had no, I was just like, I'm just trying to save my life. Right. I'm trying not to do drugs again. And I got out and I ended up getting a job at a liquor store, believe it or not, worked there for a year and still was like into my own health and my own fitness. And it wasn't until I'm like, wow, like fitness is powerful for me. I'm gonna help other people, right? And that was a stepping stone. And I believe like purpose happens when you just make these small goals, you set and achieve them. And you're just like, all right, what's next? What's next? Oh, I can beat you know, addiction with fitness. What's next? I can change my nutrition. What's next? I can write a book. What's next? I can get on a podcast and so on and so forth. I mean, the guy like myself, and I look back to the guy who's having panic attacks and afraid to ask a girl to a dance, afraid to be able to do a push-up is speaking to the Clemson football team, or like I said, on impact theory, doing these amazing things that I'm extremely proud of myself for, it's all because it's my purpose, right? And I remember we talked about Todd Durkin before the show, and I remember going to Todd's mentorship, I think it was like 2011, 2012, and I was like, oh, Todd trains Drew Brees, he's part of Under Armour, this guy knows his stuff about lunges and squats. I remember going there, man, and same kind of thing, like people think they're gonna go to Fit Body Bootcamp and just work out. He's like, all right, what are the five things you wanna accomplish by the time you die? Like, what are your, what's your tombstone uh, statement? And I was just like, wait, what? Wait, what? Exactly, right? Because Todd's <laughs> a fitness guy, yeah, but I'm like, not I, really. Yeah. And tying it all back into what I wanted to say is, you know, I think you continue to, you've continued to evolve. You know, you, fitness was the catalyst for you with Fit Body Bootcamp. And then you got into coaching other trainers. And then they, people saw how much of a established entrepreneur you were. And then you started attracting other people into your life that maybe weren't necessarily in the fitness space that were in the coaching space. They're like, I want to build a coaching business. How can I do that? Um, and you build your own podcast and, you know, the, the project man. And I think that's part of your purpose now is like raising, like, men. you got a son now, Andrew, right? Mm -hmm. That's his name. Yeah. Now was this, this, so you got Project Man, which is more geared towards like men becoming yeah. men. Then you got Squire, which is like the boys, right? So was that part of inspired from like you having a, a son and being like, you know what, like I see a void here or I want to make sure that my son is That's exactly ready, to, ready to, to face the world. Like talk about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the project is exactly for, like you said, men who are entrepreneurs, married, have kids and are trying to find balance and they're suffering in silence and they're going everything I went through as I described earlier, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's like they need a rebirth and they need to belong to a brotherhood of like-minded, high-speed people, dudes. And so that's the place to do it. But I realized, well, wait a minute. What if I could do something where if I do it right, 10 years from now, I'll never have to run a project class again? Mm. What if I can actually impact the youth and teach them core values and chivalry and, and how to be a protector and a provider, how to be a savage servant and... If we did that, if we created modern day knights from the beginning, so we call it the Squire program, yeah. right? And I got the idea from a book called Raising a Modern Day Knight that my wife's uncle gave to us when my wife was pregnant with Andrew. And dude, when I read it, I was like, holy crap, I need this book. And I'm in my late 20s, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I need this book. Right, right, right. And here I am supposed to teach this young dude who's gonna pop out, like how to be chivalrous and how to be a gentleman, how to be a savage, but how to be a servant and how to protect and provide and have his own core values and have non-negotiables and have a moral compass. And I don't, I don't have any of this. Right. Doug, who's gonna fucking teach me, <laughs> yeah. right? So I was like, all right, well, I got nine months. Let's crank it up. I got nine months to do it. And so as you know, my son's growing up and I'm starting to teach this stuff, we were both learning it at the same time because boys do need a rite of passage. They look up to older men, older boys as a rite of passage into manhood and that doesn't exist anymore. And I said, if I'm the one who creates that, then I can bring all these dads who instinctively know, like, okay, I know my son needs some kind of rite of passage, needs some kind of experience, needs some kind of pouring into, but I don't know how to do this for myself. So we launched the Squire program literally four weeks ago. It took place this past weekend, sold it out, and I realized how much need there is mm. to serve, again, I'm so designed to serve, and I realize the people I want to serve are, are men 
who are either currently suffering in silence or are headed that way because they don't have any male positive influence in their life. Like, you know, 50% of dads are absent mm. because of divorce. Right. Half of the other 50% are there, but they're not there, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah, they're yeah, absent yeah. out of right. their kids' lives, their sons' lives. And so I want to be able to pour into these men and these young men, and so that's why I created the Squire program. And so I don't, like, now, now if you ask me two years ago, like, hey, are you going to have this thing for men and for boys? I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? I'm growing my franchise. But as I plugged in the right leadership into my franchise, and as men continue to reach out to me, and after reading my book and going, dude, I want to put myself through these six-week challenges like you're doing, when other people would reach out, women would, would reach out, I'm like, hey, figure out your challenge and do it. When men would reach out, I'm like, I know there's something I'm supposed to do to help them. Like, that's where you listen to your gut, and that's where the yeah. purpose begins to connect. Mm. Why is it that young men were reaching out, and I was like, ah, I'm not interested in helping you, and you're in your 20s. But dudes in their, like, late 30s, 40s, and 50s, I'm like, damn. And they would open up in the DM. They'd be like, man, I've got a drinking problem. i got drug issues. I'm yeah. gambling, and, and I'm trying to hold my marriage together, and my wife doesn't respect me because I don't respect myself. And I was like, ah, these guys are coming to me, and my something inside me is saying, serve them. Yeah. you got to listen to that voice. But if you don't listen to the voice and you just go, who's doing what looks cool, then I'm going to go, oh, Tony Robbins looks like he's doing something cool. Oh, Doug looks like he's doing something cool. And Jay Farouche is doing something cool. And I'm going to try and mimic them, and I can't. I can only authentically be me. Yeah. And that's what the project and the Squire program, Fit Body, truly. And if I start a business, I did. I started a business called High Tech Trainer, and I was like, I, I don't like this. Shut it down after three years. Yeah. You don't like it? Shut it down. You don't have to be a handcuffed to a business or to a, to a shitty relationship. Like, you're the CEO of your doggone life. You could hire uh, a, a new team member, a new person in your life. You can promote, you can demote, you can fire. We just forget to do that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you're right. We, we have to make the decisions that are best for us, not best for everybody else, but best for us. You know, I think you brought up like, some really interesting points. And I know, like, the one thing I want to kind of put a bow on that with purpose that I think you do a, such a great job of saying is that just imagine, like, if you were to do the thing you're doing and somebody would pay your bills for you, would you mm -hmm. still do it for free? And if the answer is yes, keep doing it. That's your purpose. If the answer is no... Don't, right? And right. I think so many people, they think they found something, but they truly haven't, right? They think that they've like, found their purpose because Tony Robbins is doing something. They're like, oh, I'm going to just start speaking on stage because Tony's doing it, right? Or because you're doing it and, or because I'm doing podcasts and they're going to do a podcast. But really, like, how do they really know if they've truly liked it? They don't give it enough time. They don't, like, figure out if they actually are aligned with it. Do you remember the first time you picked up a barbell to do a bench press? Oh, yeah. How awkward that bar oh, was. My like, there's no mind-muscle no. connection. You're flopping around everywhere. And now someone can blindfold you and tell you there's a bench press with plates and a bar there. And I bet you'd find the right plates and you'd know how to position yourself. You'd find the grooves on the bar, put your fingers in the right place, and you'd go right into the correct form. You have just done thousands of reps. Yeah. And everyone is afraid to do a 1,000 reps. I don't know why that is, but going back to what you said, if, if I were to pay you to do something for free, because you love it so much, if I paid for someone's lifestyle, ask yourself, what would I do? And see, people can come up with that answer quickly. Oh, I do X. Well, then do that until you can get paid for it. Be so good until someone wants to pay you for it. That means you gotta do the reps. Because yeah, yeah. you're gonna be shitty at first. No one's gonna pay you to do bench presses <laughs> if you're shitty. Right. But you get really good, you're going to get sponsored, you're going to be on TV, you're going to make it to the Olympics, you're going to get paid an obscene amount of money to bench. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, you've run a ton of masterminds and I've been in, involved in masterminds, been at events. Like how, how common is it, you know, I'm just saying this, it's so common that when someone's having problems in their business, it's not their business, it's them. It's something personally, they're, they're battling, right? They got addiction issues, they got self-esteem, they got anger, they got trauma, and it's bleeding into other areas of their life, right? And bringing that down. Awesome. And so I think, you know, you've definitely obviously continued to find your purpose. And, um, you know, I'm really appreciative of you taking the time. There's not many people I would fly 3,000 miles to get up at, you know, my flight was at like 6.30 this morning out of Baltimore to come interview. Dude, I appreciate you doing this. And, um, and you're one of them. And I just want to remind people, if you want something in life, like you got to be able to say yes. And it's not the ready, aim, fire. It's ready, fire, aim. It's like when Bedros was literally like, I sent him a nice voice message. I was like, I'd love the interview. He's like, I'm not doing it on Zoom. You're going to have to come here. And I was like, when? 
I didn't know I didn't know what my calendar looked like, and I just was like, you know what, I got to make this happen because not only has he inspired me as a trainer, an entrepreneur, a dad, as a man, podcaster, I just know that you know this is part of what you have to do to make things work. You got to take That's risk. It. You got to take chances. And, um, and by the way, everything you do is going to be hard. Yeah. Everything you do is going to be hard. Like, there is no one path to easy money. I remember when, 16 months ago, when we started Truline, the supplement company, one of my team members were like, man, this is going to be easy money because there's no <laughs> federal trade commission like there is with the franchise. There's no franchisees where you have to be business, I'm business partners with 600 right. people. Right, 600 locations, 600 people, and people have emotions and feelings yeah. and spouses and issues. And he goes, "Dude, we're starting a supplement company. They don't like our our protein flavor. Get out. Go go buy another flavor." I'm like, "Dude, it's going to be just as hard." Yeah. Every because there's more supplement companies out there than there are franchises. So while it's an easier, less friction business with the client and the and the and the the business and the client and the customer, there's just more competition. Yeah. Once you accept that everything you do in life is going to be hard, mm. you're going to have to wake up at the shittiest hours yeah. and then fly to the West Coast and possibly get yelled at by a flight attendant for put on your mask, sir, yeah. right on your way back home. Then you go, all right, I got this. Yeah. I got this. When you face adversity and you get through it in a healthy way and you just keep fighting, you get better and you get better and better. And Bedros' story is the epitome of that from everything he battled as an entrepreneur, as a kid, in business, you know, even during COVID, how he's pivoted. I mean, for him to be able to get through what he's gone through is is absolutely remarkable. And once again, I thank you for your time today, my friend. Appreciate it, man. And, you. you know, for those listening or watching, however you're consuming this, you're going to get so much information out of this. And um, all that I ask is that you give Bedros a follow at Bedros Coolian, right, on Instagram, BedrosCoolian.com, Fitbody Bootcamp. He's got a lot of amazing things happening. He's built quite the empire. And um, once again, thank you again for, for following and for listening or watching or however you're doing this. And all that I ask personally for my show is if this touched your heart, if you got some nuggets out of this, which hopefully you did, please leave us a review and reach out and let us know what you thought. And once again, I thank you for listening to this episode of The Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes. We'll see you next time.